This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 908, brought to you by Congestion, Cold Medicine, and iFanboy listeners like you. And tea. Oh yeah, don't forget tea. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys. Playing with bombs like kids play with toys One warm December our hearts will see A world where men are free mm -hmm. Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars When we have learned what Christmas is for Hey, I am formerly known as Josh Flanagan. I'm just the husk of that now, and this is my co-host, the ghost of Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pick of the Week number 908. This would be the final episode of the year and the first of the glorious new Kindle era. Connor had a little hack for that this weekend. Comixology's still working. Yeah, I saw that. I started using Kindle, and I was super annoyed, and I was like, wait a minute, I looked, I looked at Comixology, it's still there. Maybe you can't buy stuff, but they didn't take it off. It's still, I'm using it until it's gone. I ended up just deleting it just to get it over. I saw that on Monday when it was supposed to be gone, it was still there. And I thought, well, but then I switched over and it's been full of frustrations, but we have no choice. No one wants that as the show. It's fine. Everybody out there who knows, they know. The main problem is that you and I are both dying. Yes, which does make smaller things. Oh, by the way, also my dishwasher just died for no reason. So that's fun. So Josh and I are both sick. You can tell I'm... I'm a little further along in terms of coming out of it than Josh is, but literally right before the show started, I just hacked up a lung into a handkerchief. Did you, have, so, you have that audio? Did you record that part? No, I didn't record that part. We I'll should do like a soundbar thing. Loop. It's, yeah. yeah. So we're both sick. There may be coughing. There may be sniffling. We apologize. It's the winter. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. Pig stack. Pig stack. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that book and other books from the week. The patron pick. We will answer listener mail if we have time. But another another surprise near the end of the show this time. It's the pick of the week by the numbers. So stick around for that. I know some folks are very into it, namely Connor. Who had the pick of the week, it turns out? Other people are also into it. I, I know that. Not just for but me. But no one's more into it than you. That's true. The pick of the week was X-Men 29 from Jerry Duggan, Joshua Cassara, Marte, Gracia, and Clayton Cowles. 
you're reading this one, right? You're reading the two Jerry yeah, Duggan books. You know, you know what's funny is I didn't really give any thought to what I would do as my pick of the week, mm-hmm. and and so therefore when I got your list, it was just like a whole. Fr- I was like, huh, yeah, and then I was like, yeah, okay, fuck yeah, X Men twenty nine. I get it. I'll tell you the moment it became pick of the week, and that was when we flash back to a point earlier in the Krakoa story where Charles Xavier and Magneto and someone else. If I could only scroll to it, if Kindle would only allow me to scroll the page, I would tell you. You shouldn't have gotten rid of it, of Comixology. I'm working it right now. It's so frustrating. Anyway, it took me once 20 seconds to scroll a page to respond to my, <laughs> my scroll. Anyway, Charles and Moira and Eric, and Charles is about to announce something to the world. He puts his crazy helmet on to talk to the world through the power of his mutant brain, and he gets interrupted by a voice, and it's Dr. Doom, and you turn the page, and he has his own helmet, and, yes. and he's wearing a smoking robe. It's a Cerebro. That's Cerebro. He's got his own Cerebro, and I laughed so hard at that page reveal. Well, he put that Kaiser helmet pin on the top of it. He has a Kaiser pin on the top. And the smoking jacket. What's great about this is, I don't know if I've ever seen a Charles Xavier Dr. Doom showdown. There probably has been, maybe in the Illuminati, but it was really fun. And it showed that Dr. Doom sort of had the X-Men at every step along the way in this flashback. He knew what they were doing. He had checks and balances for what, what they were up to. Uh-huh. and he basically threatened Charles telepathically. I thought it was a wonderful sequence. And that was before we even got to the meat of the story in which the X-Men are sort of invading Latveria because there are some mutants there, and then there's a showdown that ends in a giant feast. I loved it. And they have Dr. Doom costumes with big Ds on their belts like their original X-Men. Everything was great about this comic. Yeah, it's true. The art is actually super fantastic. The art, That page that you're talking about with the... the um. It's like it shows the um, Latverian. Do you see the time it took me to say that? That's what's <laughs> happening. By the way, did a job interview like this earlier this week. Didn't go well. Oh, boy. Anyway, so uh, it's the three panels, and it's like week one, one yep. month, year one. And I just, I love that drawing that shows their progression yes. uh, to where we see them in this. I thought that was really cool. But I think overall, the thing that I liked most about this issue is that it's an excellent Doom, and Doom is a character much like the Joker, we've been talking about Penguin lately, that he can be all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I like a version of him who is not a good guy, but with a little gray. Yeah. Because he's so smart that being megalomaniacal all the time wouldn't make sense. And so he has it at every turn. But what we have to do here, his weakness is that we have to stoke his ego. All of this is a show for his ego. And then we get to get past it and everybody gets what they want. And I thought that was really interesting. He's not the Joker. He's more akin to Lex Luthor. No, I I just mean in the flexibility of that. He has that in him where he could be the hero if he wanted to, but his ego gets in the way every time. But he has it in him. Right. For sure. Look, I like Dr. Doom as a villain, and I like Lex Luthor as a villain. But it's a good occasion to see the good guy in them or the good part of them or just the human being in them. You know, we had really successful runs where he, you know, the when he's Iron Man, you know, right. and, and it was like, he's a different guy who's trying to be different. And like, that's all valid to me. And then we get to go back to this, like, fine. It doesn't bother me in the least. They're like, oh, this isn't Doom. This comic books, it's great. And I know that this is going to be difficult for me to tell you, but can you go to page 21? Yes, I've, I managed to get it to go to the scrolling part. 21, yes. Yeah, he's wiping his mask with a napkin. How does that situation come up? You don't want it to rust. How's he eating? Well, look at the previous page. He's drinking through the mask. Through the screen? Yeah. I guess. Look at page 20. He's drinking through the screen in the final So is panel. he only having liquid? Is there food in front of him? <laughs> He's on a There's not. Diet. It's almost bikini season in Latveria. He's got to go on the liquid diet. Sure, sure. Do you think Doom would have Ozempic or some sort of Doom equivalent? 
Actually, if you look at the, let's see, page 22, next page, you can yep. see a shot of the table after Doom leaves, and his plate is clean. Clean as he a whistle. He did not eat. Doom doesn't eat. Yeah, that makes sense. Or certainly not in front of anyone. Okay, that's fair. So he wiped it off. I thought it was just really, it was a really nice character piece. It was an understanding yes. of Doom and how to fit him in this story in a way that really makes sense and is really entertaining. And I, and I like the way that the mutants sort of interacted with each other sort of after the dinner. I liked the conversation that took place uh, when they left. It was like, well, we lost the battle, but we won the war in the way that they looked at it. And then they start talking about Sync. I don't know who that is. I'm not 100% on all these new mutants. I think he mimics and or amplifies other people's powers who are close well, by. Well, apparently he's important to this. I think he's the leader of like the uncanny X-Men, but whatever, who cares? Someone cares, but I don't. I do want to point out that we often talk about how we're in a trend now where there's not a lot of action, but there was a really fun fight in the middle where the Latvian mutants fight Wolverine and Miss Marvel and their team of X-Men, and, and they really fuck up Wolverine mm. through yeah. their powers, which are very sort of clearly calibrated to fight people like him. I like how accepting he is of that. Like, he knew right. he was whooped. And he's like, I need the calories. I gotta eat. You know, like, he understood. He's a pro in that also, way. Also, Logan's not gonna turn down... That. Look at that meal. It looks glorious. He's, yeah, there's true. even halal food for Miss Marvel. Like, Dr. Doom is considerate to his guests. A good host always has to offer the guest food, even if he's mm. just tried to kill you. Yeah, and, and still may. There's definitely the threat. You know what? It's not on the list, but the fact that you mentioned action scenes... Uh, yep. And stuff. I did want to bring up. I thought Birds of Prey. Yeah. This week. Oh, terrific fight! Incredible action sequences. Beautiful art. And I remember specifically Kelly Thompson saying to me when I had her on the show that she's wasn't sure about her action stuff. And I was reading this issue. I was like, poof. She figured like this is great action scenes. By the way, I love that book. Anyway, there's a couple of punches in that issue that make you feel it. Yeah, that was also a good issue, but didn't make the run. So I had like 22 books, and I couldn't fit them all in. So. Oh yeah, no, uh, it's been 20 books for like a month straight. I still haven't read all the books from Thanksgiving week. I forgot about those. I'm currently not behind. I had forgotten they existed. And when I closed out the Comicsology app, I was like, oh, fuck. So I had to go and make sure I got them on the Kindle app. Connor, anyway. you did that show. You're letting them in behind the curtain. No, I said it on the show. We said we didn't oh, read okay. everything because of the holidays. All right. But yeah, so this was fun. It was great Doom. It was terrific fight sequence. It was great character stuff. And I love the unusual combination of hero and villain. I like when the villain of another family of heroes fights another different group. It's an interesting combination. Mm -hmm. Doom is great. D Doom is the best villain in comics. Like, yeah. bar none. Which makes it all the more sad that they've never gotten him correct in a movie and he's not part of the <sighs> MCU. It's crazy. There's 19 different Jokers. You got one chance, Kevin Feige, to do this right. Maybe. No one yeah, else has I done mean, it. That's the thing is like, you can say that like, they used up all their heroes, but they're still Doom. But you know what's going to be, they're going to do it terrible. It's going to be it's like, gonna be like, bad. like Taskmaster. Or Kang. At least Kang looks like Kang. No, Kang looked like Kang, and Kang was cool in Ant-Man, but Kang's personality wasn't there. And that's half the battle with yes. both Kang and Doctor Doom. Anyway, incredibly fun. Jerry Duggan's doing terrific X-Men work. I'm always excited when his books come out. Who is this artist? Joshua Kassar. not a name I'm super familiar with. Man. Really good. I'm looking through it. I'm trying to figure out who it reminds me of, and I cannot tell. But every page has something awesome on it. Every one of them. It's a little, oh my God, the name just left my brain. It's a little my, Daniel Warren Johnson. My addled brain. Like the drawings, not the layouts. Who was the guy from 10 years ago who did all the major Marvel stuff that you didn't like so much, but Ron and I did? I'm going to need more. I know. My brain is addled, and I can't remember. But I thought he did the cover, because Joshua Kassar also did the cover, but I thought it was a different artist. Yeah. It's very good work. 
Tell me who I'm thinking about out there, listeners. Tell me who I'm thinking about. Chime in on, on Patreon or, or whatever or Instagram and let us know. Let's also talk about Jared Duggan's Invincible Iron Man 663. Holy. He's on a roll, man. He's leveled up except like I can't think of another person who's done such a good and broad sort of crossover event in recent memory. He's leading. Yeah. And I don't like the X-Men. No, he got you to like the X-Men. Yeah. And he's crossing it over with Iron Man, which is, again, like Dr. Doom, an unusual thing. It's working. By the way, just now got the book open on Kindle. Number 13 of this volume, but 663 in our hearts. Tony and Emma are in the fake marriage that's inevitably leading to something, because, you know, it's got to go that way. And at the end of this issue, they're, they're skating and they're having a romantic moment. But they have to go to space, so they need someone to take their place while they're gone, so Orchis doesn't realize what's going on, so they get two kind of bitchy scrolls to take their place. And I love those characters. And then Star Fox shows up, and when's the last time you saw Star Fox? He's really leaning into his pansexuality here, and I like it. Might as well. And then Thunderheart, Ironheart, Ironheart. God damn it. Ironheart. I really like what they're doing with her. She's great. I really like that, like, they got her away from being the overwhelmed kid. Yeah. She has accepted the fact that she's a super genius and a badass. She doesn't take shit from anybody. She doesn't care. And I really like the sort of confidence that she exudes as a character. And I don't have to read her too much, but she fits in here well. Her sequence at the end where she's in space, another ship shows up, and she's like, who the fuck's driving this junker? And it's Forge. And she's like, who's this space roadie? Which made me laugh. Because he hasn't changed his look since the 70s. That's such a great pairing. I'm really excited to see what he does next with it. Mm-hmm. This book's great. There was also another joke where, so Star Fox is immediately trying to nail Emma the entire time. I mean, right. I'm just, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying that's what he's trying to do. And sure. so, I mean, who, bl- who would? Tony's like, I'm so sorry. He, he won't stop hitting on you. And she's like, don't worry about it. I'm, a, I'm trying to make this big. Sapiosexual. Sapiosexual. And I had to look up as well, which means she's sexually attracted to intelligence. And I thought, Cyclops. <laughs> I mean, not, not that he's dumb. He's not, he's not known guy, for his intelligence. But he's not like, you Who know. Who else has she been in relationships with? It just seems odd to me. I was like, I don't know if I would. Again, Cyclops is not a dumb guy, but you don't talk about him with Reed Richards and Amadeus Cho and all you know, all the other Bruce Banners. Yeah, I don't know. She said attracted to also. She didn't you think say she'd be after Hank McCoy then, you know. Well, be as accepting as you want of mutants, but he's a blue monster. <laughs> it's a lot of you hair, know what I'm saying? Probably. Like it, within, like within the mutant world, they can all be like, no, no, we are, we respect all of you for what you are but you're not a smooth, pink, muscly man. And that's really what I'm into, as long as you're in town. So let's say that she's maybe lying a little bit. I want that to be Cyclops' business card, smooth, pink, muscly man. But this is great. I'm only really reading X-Men and Invincible Iron Man. Me too. I'm reading Uncanny Avengers. Oh, right, right, right. That Barely. One too. That one too. They're the ones who brought back Hydra Steve, though. That's true. That's true. Look, no one's perfect. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just that that was a choice that I would have not made. No one right thinking would have made that choice. Mick Spencer's disappeared from comics altogether. That's what happens when you come up with Hydra, Steve. I think Jared Duggan's doing a terrific job with this X-Men story. You only really need to be reading. If you're not incredibly into the X-Men like Josh, you can still just read those sort of top line books and really get a sense of what's yeah. happening. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. All of these books are like unusual pairings, and it's, it's incredibly fun to read all these. They're done well. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Tom Taylor being able to put those characters together over in his DC events. Right. In the zombie book and the other one. Right. They're in space trying to get the Mysterium ore. Let's not talk about that. Oh, yeah. This was a heist issue. Kind of. The heist was very short. Yeah. The next book, I didn't have on my list, but you put on our list. So I looked at it. And I was like, oh, shit. So I read that one. Blood Rick. One word. Blood Rick, number one. From- yeah. I was like, if you pronounce it Blood Rick, that's a different thing that I see. But yeah, Blood Rick. 
Ludrick. This is by Andrew Kronk or Kronky or Cranky, which is German for cranky. If you can hardly say. The reason that I, I put it is if you have more to say about it, that's fine. I put it at the bottom. So basically I thought, oh, it's a it's a it's a Conan book. Really. It's a guy who came up with a character. And I was actually really taken in by the story that he told it at the beginning. It was at the beginning, so it had a little context for the thing. Is that like he's a guy who's drawn, wanted to make comics, and he, you know, had come up with a couple of things and, and did this one and he's like, oh, I like this. And then he sort of sat on it for 10 years having false starts and doing whatever. And then this was sort of during the pandemic, he just went and he, he said, forget all that. And he just drew the first issue. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, either Kirkman or Stevenson or, you know, one of those people at, at Image said, you know, like print this. And so I really, really loved the, uh, there's two things is the, the labor of love aspect is that like he, he got this out of him. And then yep. two is that the story's not my favorite. It's actually, the story's literally called Nothing, and that's a pretty good description. But it has a real visual voice and style to it that is pretty damn good. I feel like he accomplished the thing that he was trying to accomplish, and it was it was pretty. It was pretty to look at, and it was cool. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what the story is. So there wasn't much story. The story is of Bloodrick looking for food. It's kind of a Gru issue, really. In the wintertime, Bloodrick considers himself Lord of the Forest. There are great things he does, and I'll get to those yes. in a minute, but he can't find any food. There's no game. There's no uh, birds. There's no deer. He's starving, and he has to go further and further away from these he's ever gone before from his village to find food. He doesn't find anything, and finally he finds a deer. He, kill, he shoots the deer with an arrow, but then a bear comes, and they have a fight. That's the entire plot. Yeah. But in that, first of all, the art is wonderful. Yes, it is. It's really wonderful. This is like... Yes. He does Daniel Warren Johnson-esque stuff in here sure. in terms of dynamism. I'm thinking mostly of the bear sequence. If you look, Josh, on your reader, page 24, we see the bear in the background as Bloodrick is drinking the blood of the deer because he's starving. If you don't notice it, you don't see him back there because he looks kind of like a bush. But he's coming at Bloodrick in the background. And then we just hear the thump, 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 thump. And then there's a reverse angle from underneath the bear coming at Bloodrick, and it's a canted angle. It's sort of fish-eyed a little bit, and I just turned that page, and I went, whoa. And then the bottom panel is this extreme close-up of the bear's face coming at Bloodrick, and that's a page. Yeah. Like, that's really – and then the next page is even crazier, where they're having the actual yeah. fight, and it's sort of like what I imagine would be the chaos of a Conan man fighting a bear – because a regular man would just be dead. Right. The bear is exaggerated, and there's bear claws everywhere. It's almost like from the point of view of Bloodrick, so much fun to say, Bloodrick. It is. And he, I think he knew that. The next page, too, it just becomes this like chaotic. This is not a super choreographed fight. This is like chaos. Yeah. And it really works for what he's accomplishing That's here. sort of man versus nature, sort of just, uh, you know, the force of nature you can't control. There's no, there's just force coming at you. That's the last part. One of the first things was when he's like dying in the snow. And he can says, I'm king of the woods. And then in, in the same position he's in the snow, he imagines himself as king of the woods with all the animals around him. And I thought that was really funny. And then as he's let the snow and the elements take him, we turn the page and there's like a deer. And it's almost like it's in this tiny frame. Like it's almost strip. like a film frame. Yeah. An old film frame. Or, like a, or a slide. A yeah. Carousel. We turn the page again and it's a three panel sequence at the top where he sits up, shoots his bow, and the arrow hits the deer and he says, ha! And it was yeah. just a great storytelling sequence i just thought there was some really wonderful storytelling bits along with really incredible art here yeah there's nothing really into the story but now i'm curious to see what happens next you know i'm a little worried that it's going to be like uh 
who was that one guy who like finally put the book out and then he put a second oh. one out like six years later and then that was it. Well, if it isn't, you know. I don't think I even picked up on as much of it as you did. I sort of enjoyed it, was impressed with it, but I think you paid more attention to it and found more things that I think are correct and valid. It's a really strong Oh, there's also a backup story, which I didn't read. Yeah, and there's a very, it's not great. I was in a hurry to read this before the show. I didn't realize it was back. I stopped it. I, did, yeah. I pulled to you. I stopped at the credits. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about digital. Yeah, he put in a whole new... new. Anyway, I just thought as a person with a quote-unquote new voice, I thought it was a really strong first showing, you know, and I, and I love it. Like, oh, there's talent out there like we don't think about. I read it not because you put it on the list, nothing against you, but sometimes you put things on the list I don't read. It was because I read that one page cartoon of his story. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, that really set things up. And it wasn't an essay because he did not comic form, so it's okay. And I was like, okay, I'll give this issue a shot. Yes. For that. And that's why I did it. So good job. It made you want to like it. You made you root for him. If it had been bad, I wouldn't have. I would have just been like, all sure. right, well, there you go. But, but it I still it set really you off good. on the right foot. Can I tell you the very best thing about this issue of comic book? Yep. Go to the cover, and there's a very stylized title, Bloodrick. And somebody had the forethought to go, no one can read that, but we're not getting rid of it. So underneath it, in parentheses, is typeface Bloodrick. That is very funny. I didn't realize I that have before. never seen that before. You don't see that on black metal albums. They don't clarify yeah. for you. But here he decided, for the in the interest of the publishing business, I'll go ahead and clarify it. I think Have you ever seen that? No, I've never seen that. The logo, the cover wouldn't have got me to pick it up. Even though the art's very good. I'll look at a Barbarian story. <sighs> I don't expect much of Barbarian stories. There's just so many of them. Yeah. I just tend to gloss over them. And we're going to talk about it in a minute with another book. But I think probably the logo would have made me think this is like an early 90s image thing. And I would have just passed by it without yep. even thinking about it. Petrol Head. Number Petrol. two. Petrol. By Rob Williams and the multi-talented Pipar who does everything but the writing. Holy cow. Again, who the hell is this guy or, <laughs> or girl or whatever? But that is that is insane of a, a name that I've ever heard of who's yeah. that good and does all of the things. Fully formed. Insane. Fully formed. I mean, this is nutty. Pipar must have done other stuff that we're not aware of because yeah. it's rare that somebody like this that we never heard the name of. I mean, it's probably like like if you're a 2000 AD fan, they're like, how do you not know Pi Par? Like, that's what I assume. <laughs> These adult idiots? Yes. Fucking Americans. I like the first issue better, but I still like this issue. I think my favorite part is the robot. Yeah. Are we calling him Petrolhead? I guess we are Petrolhead. Yeah, that's his name. I don't know. This is fine. I like this issue. I didn't love it as much as the first one, but I liked it a lot. I really loved it. I might have made this my pick of the week, just in that I really liked the first one. I liked the world building that took place in this. I liked it's sort of serious and sort of silly all at the same time. It's a really nice balance of that. I think Rob Williams is excellent. And I, I'm, again, I'm sure he does a lot of 2000 AD, but in sort of American mainstream yes. comics, he's woefully absent, I think. You know, in the, the sort of, uh, what's it called? The main villain, I forget what it's called. The OP, no, the O, you know, is super fucking menacing. Mm -hmm. You know, all the people around him, I love how... It looks the the image the 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 visual the design of this, of this book is incredible. It yeah. is. There's a page page three of the story, so it's page four digitally where she is. It's her looking at her mom in like an exosuit. Mm -hmm. She's a flashback thing. Yeah, and just the way that looks, the way it's colored, the angle that we are looking up at the mother, the mother's face, the fact that her head is so small in this huge thing, and she has this big hand. It's a beautiful, like that sequence, all of that is you get the sadness, but at the same time, it is couched in this massive, like dirty sci-fi is something I would call it. You know, like it's that future sci-fi, like a Judge Dredd kind of thing where like there's a lot of technology, but it's fucking awful and dirty and gross. It's just exactly what New York City would be like if we were full of technology. It's also interesting that this might be the most Technicolor comic book 
out there. You know, it's almost like superhero comics are shying away from everybody wearing bright costumes. Like Superman wears like teal now instead of royal blue. Same thing with Spider-Man. But here you've got bright reds and greens and yellows and blues. Yeah, but there's still like a color theory working on because there's a lot no, of. No, no, I'm blue- not, I didn't say there wasn't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying everything is very bright and poppy. Yeah. And it's a, in a way you don't get anymore in superhero comics, really. All the human characters are like couched in shadow. I just right, think they it's are, very and, and there's a lot of gray in the background. But I'm just saying, so when the color pops, yeah. it really pops at you. Yeah. No, you're right. I think two issues in, and I just feel like it is so fully formed and yeah. professional that when I compare it to a lot of other image books, not all other image books, I mean, we've got Rick Remender doing stuff over there left and right. I was like, this is just better than most stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And again, the Rob Williams is a pro. He's been around for a long time, came up in the Vertigo system and, and you know, 2000 AD. And it's just, it's just right. It's exactly the kind, like this kind of story could be boring and terrible. And we've seen a thousand versions of it, but this is done really well. And it, it makes me happy. I'd forgotten about it too, because I don't remember anything. So, so I was like, all right, I really liked this. And I was just impressed. I enjoyed the Cockney rhyming slang AI assistant when there's no context for that in this world. Yeah. She's talking to the girl and she's like, what is he saying? But they don't explain it. I don't think there's any context for actual Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> well, I don't know how they follow that live. Like, I can figure it out when I look at it, but geez. Apples and pears. It's not like there's like a standard. I remember the first time I heard of Cockney rhyming slang, and I was like trying, I was reading about it, trying to understand, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And then you hear it like in a movie or whatever. I assume people do it in real life, but I'm only going to hear it in a movie. I live in New England, not England. And I was like, okay, now it kind of makes sense, but also it seems completely random and largely pointless. <sighs> But, you know, it exists. It's really fascinating as a thing. So we had the end of the first arc of Shazam, Shazam number six, Mark Wade, Dan, Mora. And if it ever loads on my Kindle, I'll talk more about it. You just need a new iPad. That's all that's happening. Every other app is fine. It's only this one. I wanted to mention several things. One, we got resolution to the gods trying to take over... The body story, that's been the whole story of this arc, is the gods that power Shazam have been trying to control him. And he beats them by convincing Solomon to give him his full wisdom. So I don't know what that means going forward. Does that mean we have a smarter, more capable Captain Marvel going forward? How smart are you? I have full wisdom. Right. So what does that mean? That'll be interesting. His siblings, minus Freddy and Mary, get to be heroes, but without the Captain Marvel powers, they raid basically the trophy room and they come up with all these weapons and things. And that was really great to give them that moment without having to suck them back into the Captain Marvel world. I really enjoy that dinosaur for whatever reason, that space accountant dinosaur who just wants he's to like catalog. He's like a Vogon from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's what he, well, at least he's bureaucratic in that way. They don't wear fancy suits. Then there's some more of them who are arriving in a, in a UFO and they're arguing over paperwork, which I thought was really funny. I'm not reading this anymore. Okay, well, this is very good. And then at the end, the reveal is that Black Adam is entering the story. It's not bad. I liked it, but I kind of didn't care about the story. And I was like, yeah. I thought this was very good. This was a very good issue yeah. again. I did want to mention The Hunger and the Dusk, number four. There are so many fantasy comics right now. And this one is so much better than all of them. It's insane how much better it is. You know what I thought of? You can make make your point, and then I will make a point that I no, have. No, no, that's before. my point. I read three and four back-to-back only because I couldn't really remember. This is not the fault of the book. It's the fault of the sure. fact that I've been sick for nine weeks. Right. And I was like, I don't really remember what happened last year. So I read three and four back-to-back. Right now, when you said that, just a thousand people were like, go to the doctor. <laughs> you I might did. not be okay. That's why I'm feeling better. I, the characters, the world-building, the story. And it's not a groundbreaking story. The fantasy trope of... Enemies must work together because there's a greater threat coming over the mountain. It's Game of Thrones. It's the blade itself. That's like a kind of standard sure. fantasy 
thing. That's not bad. And I'm just saying orcs, that's it. Orcs and humans. It's not like right. So they made some new shit up. By the way, which is better because we otherwise you're reading you're like just call them orcs. They're orcs. So yeah. So the orcs and the humans are, have to ally themselves in the story because there's this a sort of ancient orc race. I guess they were it's revealed in this issue or in the previous one that is coming for them. They are to the orcs as orcs are to elves in the Tolkien world. Hmm. Mm. What was great about this issue was all of the political machinations amongst the orcs. Yeah, it was a nice twist. These things always are metaphors. There's a climate change aspect of this where these orcs seem to be a very cattle-centric people. They have herds of cattle that they orcs gotta eat to eat. And Texans. They're running out of grasslands because there's wildfires and there's floods. But the humans, the humans have some pretty good southern grasslands. And even though they just made a treaty with them, some of these orcs want to break that treaty and go kill those humans and get that grassland. And so, like, there's awesome battle sequences, but there's also really awesome political stuff, which you kind of have to have in these kind of stories. And I finished this issue. I was like, God damn, this is so fucking good. It's just really I'm good. I'm so glad you said that because earlier yeah. you you alluded to other barbarian stories. Like, there's another one. I was like, please don't say this is bad. No, there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Yeah. This I thought you were going one. to refer to one specifically. One. And like, I looked down the list and I was like, that's the only one he can mean. Here's what I want to say about it. And then, and then the, the last thing, just to build off what you said, is that then there is, it's not a twist. It's a development that takes place at the end of the issue that suggests that there is actually more going on than we think. Of course, yeah. As well, there should be. And so that leads into my point that as I was reading this, we spend time with the guy who's tracking the whatever the hell they're called, the bad guys. And then we zip over to our what band of orcan and human hunters. Yeah. Vondrix, Vondark, something like that. Gondarks. Gondarks. Right. Tune on the wires. And then... We spend a little bit of time with the orc human band, and then we switch over to the orc council kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I thought that myself the included, the Vengal. Vengal, we do not appreciate enough how well some people structure a story. Mm -hmm. And that's, as I read through this, that was the thing is that she did the classic thing, enter late, leave early, and mm -hmm. you're just getting into what they're talking about, and they're out, and they mm -hmm. go somewhere else. And everything you go to matters. And has drama within it. So they go to the orc thing. It isn't just that the orcs have a plan that they want to break their treaty. It's the father of the woman who made the treaty. And so all of a sudden you have other, she made her choice. And I was like, that's brilliant. But that structure yeah. of the way that we went from scene to scene, I was like, this is so strong. And it's a thing that you don't notice it because you shouldn't. You should just feel that drama and is brilliant. It's beautifully done. I would say anyone who is a Lord of the Rings fan or a fantasy mm -hmm. fan should check this book out. It's at IDW. A lot of people don't go that far down the list. If this was an image, probably have more people reading it, but yeah, it's very, maybe. very good. Yes. And Chris Wildgoose, who is terrific, is able to draw a bunch of orcs, and I never lose track of who I'm looking at. Yeah, which that's good. Is almost impossible because I have problems looking at human beings in comics right. and figuring out who I'm looking at. But at least the main character orcs are so distinct. That he gives them all personality and he gives them all a look. And I'm never like, is that the one girl or the other girl? They're all, I, I would never have a problem with that. Do you know that the, the first time I ever experienced that sensation of reading a story and you're spending time with a group of characters and you're super into it. And then just when you want more, they switch to something else and you go, ah, but then you get super into that. It was those Timothy's on Star Wars books. Uh. They would do that brilliantly. Neil Stevenson does that really well too. Well, so does Game of Thrones. Yeah. I don't remember Game of the Thrones books. all that well. The books. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yes, you're right. You're right. No, it's true. And also the Expanse books, which is based on yes. the, the yes. format of the Game of Thrones books, is that you would, mm -hmm. oh, who's this new character? And then by the end of it, you're like, I love this new character. It just happened right. every time. Yep. This book is terrific, everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Read Hunger in the Dusk. Let's talk about a couple of holiday-themed books in a row. Hellboy, 
winter special, the Yule Cat. Uh, Matt Smith was the writer artist. No, no, not even. They didn't even say story by Mike Mignola this time. It was just Matt Smith and Matt Smith. Matt Smith, who does a damn credible Mike Mignola. This beautiful book. Jeez, I mean, Matt Smith is a very generic sounding name. So I don't know if I know him or not. But Matt Smith used to draw Doctor Who. I complained about him on the show one time because I noticed oh. that the entire issue of Doctor Who he drew no feet, and he heard that. And talk to me about it. Not It wasn't oh, like a shit. fight. It wasn't anything. And we sort of got chatting or whatever. It turns out that Matt Smith, like uh, Matt Southworth, was uh, in the same role in Joe Casey's band, The Sellouts, that I was. He oh, was shit. the bass player. And then Matt Southworth was the bass player. And then I was the bass player. Crucially, not a bass player. But still, we're in that Joe Casey Did you bond over performance that? lineage. Yes. I just thought that's funny. I think I'm right about who that is. And then, so every time I see him, I was like, hey, he can draw feet. He just didn't in that one issue. I'm just flabbergasted you read a Doctor Who comic. That was back in the time when I was trying to do Doctor Who. And it I turns see. out that I just liked David Tennant. Makes sense. Who doesn't like David Tennant? Wait a minute. Matt Smith was the next <laughs> Doctor Who. I could be completely screwed up here. This might be the medicine talking. It's very possible. Now I want to know. I think I'm right. This was a standard Hellboy one-shot. Nothing extraordinary. He goes to this village... He goes to Iceland in 1990. He goes to Reykjavik. It's not a fucking village. It's a fucking city. He goes to Reykjavik in 1990. Everything looks old-timey there. I thought it was a village. Just to follow, that person that I'm talking about was Matthew Dow Smith. So it is a Matt Smith. Smith. Matthew Dow Smith is the person I'm talking about. This is who I thought drew this. I don't know if it is. Anyway, Hellboy goes, and there's, there's this giant cat terrorizing the town. He fights the cat. Turns out there's some demons fights the demons they almost get him they pummel him was, i've never seen hellboy beat down like that before this is tied loosely into some other one shots because the whole thor thing happens and then he beats the cat it's over it's a hellboy story he punches the cat cat is defeated and then there's sort of an ambiguous ending about hellboy and whoever that is at the end sees hellboy's death and i thought this was very good i thought the art was terrific it's not the same matthew smith who, who drew this crisis is right i thought it was a really strong hellboy issue i thought oh yeah. Whoever this is, is just like, I'm going to do Mike Mignola and just nailed it from right down to the layouts. That was terrific. Yeah. Creepshow Holiday Special 2023 one. You're saying to yourself, Josh, you read Creepshow? I do. I was so shocked when you wrote back what the books you wanted to add and Creepshow was the list. Uh I just could not believe what's happening. I've been reading Creepshow all along because I really like the Tales from the Crypt format, which is all this is. I don't like horror, but these kind of stories are different. They're just little, short morality tales done in the form of I liked the TV show back then in the the 90s. And they're they're funny and and they're quick. There's usually boobs in them. That's why. Yeah. Well, that was definitely Tales from the Crypt. So there was that early HBO stuff. The first story was fine. The second story by uh, James Asmus and Leticia Cadenisi. Not going to work here anymore. Cadenisi. Cadenisi. Was about package thieves. Ooh. And it was like they walk around at Christmas and they steal stuff off people's porches and they bring the stuff home and they open it up and there's an eyeball in one of them. And the note says, in the spirit of giving, you're being given a chance to look at yourself. Ooh. The two characters are named Holly and Joy. So they say, that's weird. We should call the cops. We can't call the cops. We stole them. Sure enough. They go, they steal another package. Inside is the heart. And it, and it, it says, we've given you the chance. We're trying to tell you. Then Christmas carols start playing. And you know how Christmas carols in the right context are creepy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so the last one, there's another package. In the spirit of giving, you were given a chance. You ignored it. We're going to take matters in our own hand. In that box is a pair of hands. Ugh. Great tidings of comfort and joy. And those are Joy's hands. And I just gave the whole thing away. But it was beautiful. It was mm. 
so brilliantly told in a short. And I just, I walked away and I was like, man, that was a good, good comic book. And again, I don't like horror, but this format I'm okay with because it's little bits. And I, and I think it's a really good place for people to do short, pithy stories that are a little silly and a little, you know, morality place. The other day I was uh, walking through the neighborhood and there was um, a uh, house on the main street that had a door and there were two signs on the door. Deliveries, please leave in the back and please do not leave deliveries here. Big, big signs. And there were two packages mm-hmm. sitting in front of those signs. Okay. Yeah. We just put a ring doorbell in, which oh, really? my wife is very happy about because she gets to spy on everybody. Is it because you have package theft problems? We had a low-level hate crime. Oh. Out in front of our house, we have a sign that says, you know, we believe science is real, Black Lives Matter, yeah. blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Had. I live in a very, very, very red town. And then we also have a little pride flag out there. And I came out one morning and Oliver looked at the pride flag and it was kind of flipped over and weird. And I yeah. was like, oh, I must have been the wind. And I came back and I noticed that the other sign had sort of been bent down a little. And mm. I was like, all right, one of these is nothing, but two of them is a coincidence. And I was like, so some kid was like, I'm going to wreck those two signs. Like it wasn't a lot, but it creeped me out a little. Mm. It was like, like I said, low grade hate crime. And I just thought, Ugh. so maybe we'll catch those little pain happy bastards and hang them up by their Buster Browns. Patreon.com slash fanboys where the patrons get to vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron votes, one patron, one vote this week. By overwhelming margin was Batman dash Santa, not slash, but for some reason dash Santa Claus, Silent Night number one. Slash Santa Claus is trademark and you can't use it. This is a weekly four-issue miniseries, so it comes out over the next four weeks leading up to Christmas. Because I was like, am I going to be reading this until March? No. <laughs> Written by Jeff Parker, who I haven't seen in a while. I like that the patrons thought that they need to make me read a Jeff Parker book. And Michelle Bandini on art. And Alex Sinclair and Colors, Pat Brousseau on letters. First thing, this book is called Batman Dash Santa. And the cover is Superman prominently reading a book to a kid. And Batman's way in the background. Don't understand that at all. Doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody's fault. It's a great Dan Mora drawing. Wonder Woman's back there too. And Santa's in a little circle. But like, it's called Batman Santa Claus. Batman's in the back. It's weird. There's some vampire bat people who are not man bat attack some people in Gotham. Batman and Robin... This is Damien Robin. Answer the call. They bring in Zatanna for help. And eventually, Santa Claus comes. And this is not Santa Claus from the Coke ads. This is not any Santa Claus you recognize. This is not even the Claus from that Grant Morrison comic. It's closest to that. Right. It's close to that. This seems to be kind of like, and I could be wrong here, but Jeff Parker sort of looked into the folklore of Santa Claus and found oh, clearly. a version that sort of fits the action adventure And yeah, put him in a superhero him. mode. Right, because Zatanna schools Batman on the history of Santa, and it's like he was a cobbler who went out to stop, uh, what's that creepy character's name? Krampus. He leaves like Asgard or something to go fight Krampus, and then both he and Krampus get left behind. They can't return to from whence they came, so they're stuck in our world, and that's how he becomes Santa, and that's why Krampus is running around. And he's like, "Ah, I don't need to do anything Christmas. It's all automated now, so he basically runs around. You know, He's got daggers and shit. And then Nightwing and Batgirl show up, and it's sort of like an all Batman family fighting. But it's it's also but a little bit of like these are my favorite characters, and I'm going to use yeah. them. Yeah. I want Zatanna to be with Batman because that makes me happy, and so I like that. I want yeah. Zatanna to be with Batman all the time. I think it's fantastic. I love that pairing. I said at the time when Paul yeah, Dini put do. them together romantically, I think they're a great romantic couple. Way more interesting than Catwoman. Catwoman and him is like when you know have a friend who's dating somebody that's bad for them, yeah. and you're like, why did you stay with Zatanna? She's excellent. But she's too smart. She's not going to put up with it. It's classic Vegas magic Satana and not yeah. gothy magic Satana that they, they sh- in other books. There's one point where somebody's talking in Batman's ear. 
And I was like, well, it's not Barbara because there's Barbara. It's not Alfred because he's dead. Who is that? So that's not a big deal. I just noticed that. I guess it could be Tim, I guess. Other than the fact that I just love Jeff Barker, I, at first I was like, eh. And then Santa Claus shows up and I was like, oh, this is wacky shit. And yeah. I was down with it, like 100%. They leaned into the thing that they're doing. Look at Zatanna's hat. She has a Christmas decorated version of her hat, which is fantastic, by yeah, the way. She's probably performing Christmas shows. This is what I was hoping and expecting it to be. It was a fun, yeah. silly, holiday-themed adventure. But superhero action. And I thought yeah. it was going to be a one-shot. I was surprised to see it was a four-issue miniseries. I think if it had been a one-shot, it had been a pick-of-the-week contender. Because mm. I enjoyed it. It wasn't great, but I enjoyed it. Yes. I agree. I think it's fun. I like that he pulls in deep Santa lore, I guess, you could, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I even didn't hate Damien in it. Damien could have been any Robin here, basically. His personality was... Here's so. several unrelated thoughts. Okay. Michelle Bandini, fantastic. Oh, really good. Michelle Bandini, fantastic. From the action stuff to I love, I love how Batman's cowl looks here. This is what a Batman cowl should look like to me. Not in everything, but in this, I think it's it's one of my favorite sort of versions of it. I have a cheers and a jeers regarding Robin's costume, which has been around oh, for a little while. Oh, just 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 for, for clarity, it's Michelle Bandini is a male Italian artist. Oh, yeah. Michelle Bandini. From Bandini, Lambert, and Locke. The Italians continue to just completely wholesale take over. Like, the Argentinians were like, we thought we had this. And they're like, no, not quite for you, huh? Oh, God. They rule comics. I don't know if they you're do. not seeing what's happening, but I've watched film, and I see what's happening here. Yeah. First, you get in at the bottom. Suddenly, they're running the garbage. They're running garbage pickup. Oh, man. I could talk about this for a long time. Starts with comics and ends with garbage in the unions. Then where are we? So cheers to Robin's costume in that yeah. it at least it is differentiated from Robin's. When you see this Robin, you know exactly who he is. And right. there is something good to that. Jeers to Robin's costume. It's a little court jestery. I don't, yeah, like, I get right. where they're going with it. But the yeah. little pointy, not a skirt, but you know what I mean? Like His tunic. Yeah. Yeah, like the bottom of it. It's just, it's a little, it's, it's like a, he's an elf. I don't know. It doesn't actually remind me of robin that much it's got a hood which i like the hood on a robin costume but it also has the dracula collar which i don't like and you can't have both it's trying to eat its cake and have it and i don't like it it's so interesting that for so long comics were static in the way they looked Mm -hmm. so in 1939 when robin was introduced 1940 robin's introduced he had a costume and he wore that costume until the 90s for so for like 50 years you would see those costumes change over time but it had more to do with like the basic elements were the same and then like sort of the proportions of things changed. But what I mean is when they changed to the Tim Drake costume, mm. it was in the fucking newspaper. I loved that costume. Like, that's how big of a deal it was. And mm. now you've got this kind of boring gray costume and no one cares. Part of the jeers is that the whole point of Robin He's the was bright, that. Yeah. yeah, but now... Does it fit the character in that way? Is that he's Batman's son, so he's also going to want to be gray and black? Yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. I get that. Like, yeah. narratively, sure. But it's not the image. Eventually, they should age him out of being Robin, and then he can be a different <laughs> character than we can have a Robin. Seriously. Like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was fun. But like I said, his personality, the way he was written, he could have been any yeah. Robin. He wasn't written as Listen, kind of damien Parker's no slouch. Parker's one of us. He knew what he had to do. He did it the best possible way. And so you had Batman... Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, Zatanna, teaming up with Santa Claus to fight Krampus and these vampire man bats. So, you know. It was the, the Krampus story was the same thing as Dr. Donald Foster coming back. <laughs> you, you thought you took care of me. You forgot about me. You will all pay. And I'll say this. This was the best Batman book this week. There was Batman 140, whatever it was. Batman books that tend to be the best right now are tend to be the ones that are not involved in whatever yeah. the main Batman story is. So this was fun. I enjoyed this. 
Batman dash Santa Claus, Silent Night with a K, number one, ratings. The fact that Parker is not on more mainstream books. It's crazy. Just, just, it it's crazy. rankles me to the sore. This is a guy who knows how to do fun and superheroes. And I hope it's just because he's like, I don't want to deal with that shit. I'm going to get four out of five. Four. Four. Are you sticking with this weekly series? Yes. Okay. I am as well. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks for voting, patrons. We look forward to more patron picks in the new year. And patrons who give it the $5 higher level, they get a power on the show live. It's their patron power. It's their gift from us. It's a gift we give all year round, not just at the holiday time. It's a gift that lasts all year round. And this week, we got a patron that Josh is going to give a power to. Well, that is a surprise to me at this very, <laughs> I very I gave the moment. ice cream power last week. That's right. You did do that. But I was, I was sick in a different way last week. But the thing is this, is that Brent Eckenbarger, Eckenbar- Essenbarger, Essenbarger, Eckenbarger, Eckenbarger. It's a lot of ways to go with you, this. There's so many ways you can go here. Essenbarger? I'm going with that. Essenbarger. Or Eckenbarger and the B is silent. Or yes. Eckenbarger and the G is silent. There's lots of things oh. that can happen. Eckenbarger. Eckenbarger. I mean, you're in New England. You just cut out whole parts of words up oh, there. Oh, you want it? So if like, oh, fucking Brent Eckenbacher from up in Saugus? It could right, be it could be anything. Fucking fine. You want me to give his power? Sure, go for it. We get to that? Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. Brent. <laughs> We're so rarely salty. Even like jokingly, like it was, it was uncomfortable for me. Uh, Brent Eckenbarger can, can clear the schedules. If for whatever reason you're trying to make something work schedule wise, he just he he'll make it work. He'll clear the schedules. All of a sudden, things that were on the in the way they're no longer problems. If he's trying to plan something, right? Uh, clear it right out. It'll be it's not going to be a problem. This, wow. this sort of heck, you know, you've got your your friends or whoever you're like, oh, we should get together, but your schedules never line up, or you know, you're, you're trying to do something. Let's say, for example, that you have Celtics tickets that you bought months ago for oh, the twelfth, no. and uh, it turns out that your son has a viola. Uh, recital that very day and so you have no choice but to go watch two and a half minutes of out of tune children playing instead of your tickets that you got at an amazing price because you thought early enough to get them early in the season so question clarification question is it about the basketball because i'm done with the power is it that he sees like the scheduling matrix or is it, like magic where he just like sort of snaps his fingers and things all fit or does he like see into the schedule matrix and figure out a way to make everything line up i think that it's a combination of or is it both of, yeah, it's a combination of both, but it isn't as if it's not a snapping of the fingers thing. Right. You know how some people are just lucky? Right. There's a luck effect that goes to it. Like our third partner, for example, walks between the clouds, you know, walks between the raindrops, kind of like long shot. Oh, well, how about here? Oh, I had thought I had. Oh, actually, it looks like that's gone. Okay, we'll see you then Tuesday. Never gets a parking ticket. Asshole. So, in this particular instance, would he find a way to delay the viola performance? Like, there's a school-wide delay, or the game gets postponed a day? Like, <sighs> all right, that's a good. That's a good. I mean, the thing is, it would have never come to that, right? It would have been that we would have said, "Oh, ch- look at this!" It turns out that the recital was supposed to be on the twelfth, the same night that we had the game, but they They're actually moved it to the thirteenth. That's nuts. That's so is it lucky. only for his life, or can he do it for other people? It's for his life and people that he's meeting with so he couldn't help you with your situation but if he was in your situation he could help himself right right okay Makes but sense. you like if we had invited him to the game sure maybe you should have invited brent to the game then you wouldn't be God, in the situation you try getting a third ticket to the celtics <laughs> the fourth most expensive franchise in the league jeez these are things i know now 
when am I, well, listen to me when did i become a sports person it's a very narrow focus sports but if you notice how easily i've slid into it like i'm it's mad about terrific. certain stuff i it's, love every moment of it i care <laughs> I'm, it's great you have I'm opinions mad at random people i don't know you have strong opinions about sports commentators it's great oh my god fucking Stephen a oh. patreon.com slash ifanboy thank you for being a patron brent we appreciate it and thanks to all those who've been patrons throughout the year. I know the economy is a little rocky at some for some people. Inflation is terrible. A lot of people have had to drop out this year and have cited the economy. And we're not mad about it. We appreciate it. Your family and your lives come first, obviously. But if you've been a patron even for one month, we do appreciate that. That's how the show keeps going. We wouldn't be able to do all these shows we do without you. And there's a lot of them. We hope that being part of a great community and getting the rewards and the hangouts and things makes it worth your while. But at the, at the heart of being a patron is you listen to the show and you think, Hey, this is worth supporting. This show makes my comic life more enjoyable. And I like that. That's at the heart of all the new media economy is I like this thing enough. I wanted to keep going and I'm going to support it. And so we thank everyone who's done that throughout this year. And hopefully you'll think about doing it next year. And that said, up those numbers, like you're out there, you're sitting on money or you need to come on Starbucks that often. I mean, you can do it for any amount, but you know, the, I think the lowest level of a reward is $3 a month. That's, you know, that's less than a comic. So if you want to consider doing that next year, patreon.com slash ifanboy, we have tier exclusive merch. You decided not to go with my greedy bit. After three months of support at whatever level, you get merchandise sent directly to you. It's all kinds of stuff. Everything from stickers all the way up to sweatshirts. Seriously, though, we do appreciate everyone who supports us. You can find out more details at patreon.com slash ifanboy if you want to consider supporting today. Thank you very much. ifanboy.threadless.com is our t-shirt store. We got 13 shirt designs there. You can get them on all kinds of things, including skate decks. I was in a work meeting this week, Josh. I'm listening. This came up randomly, but someone's like, I just discovered this year that people are buying skateboard decks and putting them up on their walls as art. I was like, I know. I know someone who does that. Have you ever seen Rick Remender's office? It's a little museum of like classic skateboard decks. It's awesome. It's awesome art. That's true. I keep wanting to get, I don't need a new skateboard. I don't skate that hard. My skateboard will last a long time, but skateboard decks have always had such interesting art and there's so many of them my childhood skateboard had a cobra on it well yeah back then it was all skulls and dragons and cobras right it was awesome i love that thing anyway you can get our designs on skateboard decks if you want to put those on your wall and thanks for anybody who does that if i want to come slash support is our digital paypal tip jar if you just want to throw a couple bucks in at the end of the year as a way of saying thanks we'll appreciate it if you are one of the many 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 people who made a lot of money over the pandemic and the resulting years one of those billionaires who became a multi-billionaire Feel free to throw in fifty hundred million dollars into the PayPal jar. We'll figure out the tax implications. We'll take that. We can that do that. Burden on. That's what we do. Yeah. Feel free. I found out a com slash Amazon. Listen, as this show comes out, there's still several weeks till Christmas. You got a lot of holiday shopping. I just did some through Amazon. Consider doing it there. There's a link that takes you to Amazon. We get a piece of the sale. It doesn't come out of your pocket. Comes out of the sale's pocket. The sale doesn't have a pocket. And we thank you for that. People have been doing that for over a decade, and we, we appreciate that. You can also find our Booksplode links on that page as well. Finally, bookshop.org is our partner. It helps local bookstores. When you order books through them, local bookstores get the sale and mail it to you, and it's the best way to help buy books, especially through bookshop.org, and we do appreciate that. You'll find those links on the website where appropriate. And all of those things, people did all throughout the year, and they've helped support the show, help us pay our bills. They're not inconsequential and not, I was going to say inconsiderate. They <laughs> not insignificant. And as we do our end of the year books, close up our books for the year, we, we see the totals and we see the running total of how much it costs to run this rickety old podcasting empire we call iFanboy, and it's not cheap. So thank you. We appreciate that. Unrelated, before you get to the next thing, yeah, are you reading Avengers Inc.? Yes. Should I do that? Yeah. 
That's what I thought. Good enough. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of these. I mean, you could. It's a miniseries. It's going to be over soon. I know, but who cares? The first issue was the best one. It's been fine, but okay. I don't think I'm you, out. I don't think you would be into it. Al Ewing. Somehow, Hank Pym is back as a bad guy. I don't know. You were talking about Hank Pym last week. If you want Hank Pym stuff, I guess you got to read it. Yeah. I don't need, if he's the bad guy, I definitely don't need it. Well, it's implied. I don't know. He hasn't really been investigated. Anyway, let's move on to our next segment. It's our end of the year segment. We do it every year. We used to do it on the website itself, but now we don't have that anymore. So now we just do it on the show. It's the picks of the week by the numbers where we run down the the stats behind the picks throughout this year. I got a lot of them on here, but I'm not going to go through everything, just the high levels. So this year, 2023, we had 49 picks of the week. And I had 18, Josh had 17, Ryan had 12, and Paul Montgomery had two. Really? Ryan had that many? And I don't mean that in a bad way, which makes sense, once a month. But I thought we'd have higher numbers, but that's significant. And we had eight different publishers receive Picks of the Week honors. Marvel had the most at 18, DC right behind it with 17. Image had eight, IDW two, Ablaze one, AWA Studios one, Boom one, and Dark Horse one. And then I had five different publishers marvel had seven dc had six image had three ablaze and dark horse one each josh you had six different publishers marvel had seven dc four image three ewa one idw one boom one and ryan had three publishers dc six marvel four and image two and paul gave one to dc and one to idw that's the breakdown it was, uh, beneath the trees where nobody sees and i don't remember the dc one because it, it was birds of prey was the other one birds of prey number one that's a good book writer so this year 10 writers got multiple picks of the week. There's also, we had 49 picks, but we had 42 writers received picks of the week. And not always, we had a couple of books that had multiple creative teams because like we had a couple of anniversary books. But Mark Wade had five, Tom Taylor had five, Ryan North had three, Peter David had two, Jared Duggan, Tom King, Paul Levitz, Mark Miller, Rainbow Rowell, and Zeb Wells all also had two. And then there were 32 other writers who had one, but I'm not going to name them all, but you know, can probably guess there's a lot of them on there. Artists. We had four, nope, that's wrong. We had five artists who had multiple picks of the week. Dan Moore had three, Alan Davis, Alessandro Capuccio, Iban Coelho, and Yul Duray Sinar all had two picks of the week each. And there were 52 artists with one pick of the week award. Lots of artists. Series, we had six books receive multiple picks of the week this year. Fantastic Four had three. The Ambassadors, The Avengers War Across Time, Batman Superman World's Finest, Joe Fixit, and Nightwing all had two picks. And there were 36 other books that received picks of the week one time. And then finally, number ones, we had 18 number one issues this year. Some of them were just specials with the the number one moniker, but a lot of them were first issues. We love first issues here. 18 is a lot. I think it was a big increase over last year. I think we had 10 last year. I was going to say. The Avengers Superman, John Kent, Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, The Amazing Spider-Man, Gang War, First Strike, The Ambassadors, The Avengers War Across Time, Barnstormers, Batman 1, Bad Day, Ra's al Ghul, Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees, Birds of Prey, Deep Cuts, The Enfield Gang Massacre, The Hunker, The Dusk, The Penguin, Punisher War Journal Base, Sins of the Salt and Sea, The Space Between, Tales of the Titans, and Transformers all had picks of the week from number one issue. Which means, purely by the numbers, our writer of the year was tied with Mark Wade and Tom Taylor. Our artist of the year was Dan Mora. But our series of the year was Fantastic Four. Well, that's because every issue of it was a delight. Dan Mora would have been two issues of Batman Superman and one issue of Shazam. And then Mark Wade would have had his spread out between several books. So Fantastic Four takes it, if you go purely by the pick of the week numbers. And that Fair is enough. the numbers. Anything surprising to you, Josh? I got to say, last year, having not missed any shows... Mm-hmm. made me so proud right. and so i i did miss some this year and i'm very i feel bad about it which i shouldn't it should be fine i was sick or whatever but i like that ryan had so many i like that he's a bigger part of it than i i just i'm mean opening up last year's spreadsheet here you had 20 picks last year yeah i feel so like you had three I, more than this year ryan had 11 he had one more this year i had uh 17 last year i really also like the disparity of 
art disparity is not the right word, but the diversity of of artists and even writers to a certain there's a lot of different people. You know, in the old days, Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron. Right. Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns. You know, and there's people all over the place of varying levels of, you know, these people are all for the most part professionals. I seem to remember one year where it was like Bendis, Jason Aaron, and Jeff Johns were like 30% of the entire year. Every third pick was one of those three guys. And because that was like during that time where they were dominating. It makes sense that we would have most of the writers, are, they're mostly mainstream writers in there. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's not a lot. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell and Amado Iannucci. I think that one of the best things about comic books right now, and old-timey people will complain about this because there's a lot of shitty art, but at the same time, there is a massive influx of talented artists from all over the world. And you look at, we have 52 one-time artists and another four, you know, but, the names are all over the place. There's, there's a thousand, you know, new styles and and people who are drawing comics in ways that like if you look through most of these names, these don't look like comics from, you know, the eighties. Like there's just like the yes. influx of, of of varied styles of international styles that is all being accepted. And we do mainstream American comics for the most part. You know, it's great. It's so cool. We often talk on the show about there's a we say there's a dearth of good art, but there's still a lot. More than we probably think because in a given week, you'll read a com- bunch of comics where you're just like, oh, that artist is professional. But you forget there's a ton. And I'm just looking at this list. And you've got, as you said, artists as varied as Andres Genole, Chris Mooneyham, Chris Wildgoose, Daniel Warren Johnson, Frank Quietly, Greg Smallwood, Care Andrews, Leandro Fernandez, Mike Allred, Patrick Gleason, Pepe Larraz, Ryan Stegman. There's just tons of styles here. Yeah. Joshua Casara, Leonardo they're Romero. Great. One of my favorite, Leonardo Bruno Fernandez, Redondo. Ken, Ken Nomura. There's a lot of art where I'm like, that person is not professional. Yeah. But there are so many good new artists now. Or or just yeah. not even new, but the, you know, every week we can point to at least a couple of books. We're like, oh, this person is bringing something to the table I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's great. Good year. That was a good year of comics. Yeah. So we had an email. We're going to skip it. So end of the year, might as well skip it, the last one. So if you've written us this year at contact.ifanboy.com and you haven't heard your email on the show, we're now putting those unread emails into a folder and starting the year fresh. We start fresh. We start new. We start a new folder. We wish we could answer them all on the show. We wish that there wasn't just so much to talk about. You know, in the old days, we'd answer three, four, five emails on the show, but we, we only talk about the books for like 20 minutes. Yeah. We've just been talking about the books longer and longer as the show has gotten older and older. We have more to say. Yeah. We're better at that part, I think. We will try to be better next year to make sure we, we don't have to skip the emails, but sometimes it happens. So if you haven't heard your email on the show, you can always send it in again at contact.ifanboy.com or write in for our Media Explode show, put Media Explode in the subject line. That way we know it's for that show. It's just always good to know. And we thank everyone who's taking the time to write us in. We appreciate that. And we have our regular email writers. We, it's always fun to see new names. We like seeing new names. And uh, whenever we get a great email question, it always makes the show more fun. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So thank you. You're a big part of the show. Let's get out of here. Plugs and announcements for the end of the year. So out now is our Booksplode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can find that behind the show. A couple back on the feed. That was a really fun one. We got to delve into those early issues of comics, talk about 80s comics, talk about our own fandom in the 80s, our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fandom. And we really enjoyed that. Coming up this very week is the final Talksplode of the year, Josh. Cena Grace joined me. I had to cancel on him once because I didn't feel well. And then I decided to go ahead with it because otherwise he might have been waiting a really long time. I have sort of known Cena for a very long time. We've known him professionally, certainly. Yeah. And I, I've never really had a chance to, to sort of chat about him. Uh, he's pretty different uh, than most of our other creators who came on here, but he's fantastic. And it's such an interesting career. You, you're never going to say that he isn't uh, open 
about uh, sort of his work and, and sort of the thoughtfulness behind it. Yeah, I mean, I say this all the time, but I mean it. Like, it's a great conversation. It's just a, like people who make comics, sometimes to the detriment of their income, right. you know, because they love comics, they're the best people. Yeah. Only going to be so many people in the world who love comics in the same way that you do and I do and the people listening do. And that is always good. This is a bigger conversation, I think, than I meant to have about it. But that's why I like these things. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that people are willing to spend time with me. And the thing that I, when I do these shows, and this usually happens, but it definitely happened this time, is that like that time goes by. You know, I don't want to do a show that's two hours long, but I could have, I could have, we could have easily, it was like, I was like, oh, we're in an hour. I got to start thinking about sort of moving along here and, you know, just, it just keeps going. So you can look forward to that coming up this coming week. It'll be on our feed. And then next weekend in the spot where this show normally comes out, you'll have our all media year and roundup. That's our traditional end of the year show, about three hours long. You know, it's Josh and I and our old co-host Ron Richards will talk about the films, TV shows, books, podcasts music and comics that we enjoyed this year and that's we've been doing that literally since the very first year of doing the show and uh, we really like doing that it's our end of the year show that'll be out for a couple of weeks and then our next pick of the week episode 909 will be out january 7th so we'll be back then we're taking a couple weeks off to recharge catch up on some reading catch up on some life heal heal come back refreshed full of energy and hope and love and, and enthusiasms and uh Look forward to that. It's always a bummer to see what you missed talking about the show. We're going to miss the final issue of Danger Street that comes out during the break. Mm. They're putting out next week the what if issue of Batman in which Jason Todd doesn't die. They've had that in the drawer for 30 years. They're going to publish it next week. So we could go back and read Jim Aparo. We've never seen before. All kinds of stuff's happening while we're gone. But them's the breaks. Plus, I'll have to catch up on all of those as the month goes on, because uh, I will totally not get ahead of the. Like, I'll get, I'll start to get ahead of it, but really, at the end of the day, listen, you do it to yourself. You do, and that's why it really hurts. As long as you're okay with it. That's a Radiohead lyric I just quoted there. What's the song you do? Just off the bends. It's my favorite Radiohead <laughs> song for a long time. All right, well. You can find our library of over 1,300 shows and counting, which is more shows than there are Radiohead songs, over at ifanboy.com, where podcasts are sold. Follow us at ifanboycomics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes, for the best of the weekend panels, think of it as a bonus, not a feature. It is a bonus. Sometimes. You can follow us individually, Cisco Patrick and Jay Flanagan on Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's you'll find our all of our old video shows, years and years and years of old video shows we did back in the late 2000s. It's a whole different world back then. And also, this show is there every week. If you enjoy listening to this show, a couple of hundred of you do. And hey, why not? We appreciate it. Any place you listen is okay with us. And so uh, you can check all those out on YouTube. If you subscribe, you'll get all the new shows we put up there. And consider leaving us a review or leaving a star rating. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it. Our Spotify audience of the total isn't huge, but it was fun to see the stats and people's end of the year Spotify things that put up and and stuff. So thank you for listening. Wherever you do listen, whether it's through Apple Podcasts or through any podcast aggregator, anywhere you listen is okay with us. Even if you want to stream it directly on the website, there's a player for that too. So I know we got two more shows coming out, but this is the final regular show of the year. So I just want to say thank you for listening this year to the Pick of the Week show. Anytime you did, any number of shows. If you're new, if you're old, if you've been with us for 12, no, God, it's not been 12 years. Jesus. More than that. 18 years? What year is it? Uh, yep. 18 years. 2005 we started Heading into 19. If you've been around for 18 years, or if you've been around for 18 months or 18 days, we appreciate your listening and we thank you very much. And until next year, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I'm me. And hopefully when we come back in January, it's not me and somebody new because Josh is perished. I don't, I don't feel like me. I really like <laughs> to use the word perished. He's perished.
Someday all our dreams will come to 